Hey everybody, this is another episode of About to Review, and this is going to focus on the brand new Ghostbusters movie. Uh, I'm your host, that guy named John, and I'm joined by not one, but two guests here in the studio. Hi, John. Uh, Wow, rude, just to interrupt me in the intro. So I have a returning guest, uh, Steve, who was on the gaming episode a few episodes ago. Welcome back, Steve. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. I partially forgive you for interrupting me. (laughs) And the new guest sitting across from me is Carmen. Say hello, Carmen. Hello. Very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Um, So Carmen is the Ghostbusters fanatic that I mentioned a couple episodes ago that I was hoping to have on the podcast to talk about all things Ghostbusters uh, as far as the media is related, not the TV shows or any of those type of Ghostbusting shows. That is not her area of expertise or fanaticism. So we're going to break this episode up into a couple different chunks. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the original Ghostbusters from 1984, then talk about the second Ghostbusters, which I forgot to write down the year. Somebody? 2016. Terrible. (laughs) It opens with... Five, oh, you mean Ghostbusters later, 2? Ghost, yeah. Ghostbusters 2. Doesn't it open with five years later? Yeah, is it actually? Like, when did it get? I have it right it's, here. Oh, uh, 1989. So okay. it'll actually five years later. Uh, and then we will wrap it up with the new Ghostbusters uh, that is coming out, or that is out now. That is the thing when you record these things ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So kind of jump right into it. So Ghostbusters 1, 1984, Carmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have been chomping at the bit since before we even started recording. What are some kind of memories or stories that you have around Ghostbusters, the first one? Mm. Well, I, you know, I can't remember the first time that I saw it. And you've told me that we were going to talk about the memories <laughs> of it. And I, and I don't remember the first time. Okay. Um, but in my adult life, I have seen it many, 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 many times. Sometimes I will watch it three times in a row on repeat. Wow. And I just love it. It's such a great movie. That is some dedication. Yeah. It's it's underappreciated. It's um, just flawless from beginning to end. So do you have it on in the background, or are you watching it? Are you sitting it down and watching it, or is it while you're doing other either chores, one, or is it something like that? Or Either one. I often fall asleep um, during the second half. So I've seen the first half many, many, many times. <laughs> okay. And the, and the entire movie I've just seen many, many times. So. Okay. So for people who are unfamiliar with Ghostbusters, which there might be like 0.5% of, of the <laughs> listener base who is not familiar with it, kind of give us a, a breakdown of, of the first movie. Uh, well, it's about um, a couple, three guys that are scientists that uh, get together. They're, they're scientists, but their interest is more in the paranormal world. And um, after losing their gig at... Um, a, an acclaimed university. They mm-hmm. have to go into business for themselves, and so they do. They go into um, hunting down the paranormal, and it just happens to coincide with a huge phenomenon in New York City, uh, where there are all these hauntings. And mm-hmm. um, they have to hire a staff and um, come up with a bunch of snazzy ga- gadgets right. to hunt these ghosts. And comedy ensues. Fair enough. Steve, what are, what are some of your memories from the first one? Do you remember when the first time you saw it? I think I might have seen it in the theater. Wow. I was born in 1980. So, okay. well, so 1984, four. I would have been four years old, which yeah. is pretty young. Uh-huh. 
but I mean, I don't remember it, obviously, but I remember seeing it on TV, mm-hmm. and seeing it on VHS. But the biggest thing for me is it's like my dad's favorite movie. Really? So whenever I see the first one, I think of my dad just cracking up completely. And so that's the biggest thing for me. And it, it was sort of a cultural connection between me and my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could say lines or yep. um, make certain references to it. And that's the biggest thing for me for Ghostbusters. Yeah, because there were definitely a lot of kind of dad-level jokes in the first one. For sure. When you have, you know, the cast, they were all, you know, in their thir- late 30s, you know. And so, yeah, I, th- I can definitely see that generational difference but also that ability to kind of connect with both generations because you have, you know, the fun stuff happening, but just like all kids movies that they know the parents, you know, are dragging these kids to, they need to put in jokes for them as well for the adults. So I think it is awesome that you can have that relationship with it where both generations can connect. Yeah. And I think the first one is so Bill Murray, right? I mean, he oh, it is, is the, Bill the Murray thing show. that you remember the most from it. <laughs> And he, at the time, I think, had a really unique sense of humor that you didn't see in a lot of comedies in the 70s and 80s. And it was really unique for people. I mean, do do you see that from the original Ghostbusters? Like, it's so Bill Murray? It is so Bill Murray. And I feel like um, it's a the character that he plays in Ghostbusters is there's a lot of consistency with a lot of the other characters he plays. And so you sort of feel like it is him, Mm -hmm. him playing himself. and I want to get back to a point that you were talking about before. Is Ghostbusters a kid's movie? Yeah, very yeah, very interesting one. Because I was going to talk about that with the second one. Okay. But go ahead. Yeah, go, go for the first one. Because I saw it as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, there were parts that scared me. But mm-hmm. now showing it to a younger audience, like I've seen it with my partner's kids. And they were really frightened. Really? Like legitimately Like legitimately scared. like were scared mm-hmm. of it and had nightmares about it. The cab it. driver. The cab driver, <laughs> the the lady in the library. Um I don't remember being that terrified. I mean it was like, you know, there's some jump scares mm-hmm. in it, but I don't remember being that afraid of it. But yeah. it, but it's like it is a lot of adult humor though. I mean, mm-hmm. a I don't lot think of it was it made is, with kids in mind. I that don't is, think so. Yeah, that either. is the weird thing, is it became such a family type of thing which who knows if ivan reitman the director of the first one if that was his direction like right. from the beginning because i remember same with steve like i yeah i, I do not remember seeing the theater uh, it was definitely you know on home video on vhs um and i remember loving it and i i tried to actually before we when i knew we, the three of us were going to get together to, re- to record i have a book from like kindergarten that i that i wrote in and it was one of the things that was like, you know, what is your dad's favorite movie? And the same thing, I actually wrote Ghostbusters, and I have a drawing mm. of the Ghostbusters symbol. Uh, and I tried to get it, I tried to find it, but I just could not. Your dads have great taste, apparently. <laughs> and so, and, so, and who knows if my dad, like Steve, actually knows for sure it was his dad's favorite movie. Yeah. My dad, who actually knows? But something about it, maybe watching it with my dad for the first time. Yeah, like, remember like seeing him laugh. I was like, "This must be his favorite mm-hmm. movie." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I saw it when I was a kid. But yeah, on on repeat viewings, it is interesting. Like it, you really do have to wonder. I mean, plus how many kids movies or family movies? Yeah, have no children. 
have right. no yeah. families. And again, in the second one, you know, they kind of right. go down that road. But. I, my first memories of interacting with the movie are definitely playing Ghostbusters as a kid. My friends mm-hmm. and I would pretend that we were Ghostbusters. And then there were the proton packs and everything right. became, you know, available as toys mm-hmm. um, eventually. But that's the first before I remember actually like viewing it for the first time, I definitely remember playing it, playing the characters. Yeah. And Pete Fank, everyone wanted to be Pete Fankman. Really? <laughs> I mean, even I did as, you know, as a little girl. Do you remember the proton pack toy that shot the, like the orange Nerf mm-hmm. balls? It was, yeah, I had the one with the yellow stream. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, we did not have any of those. I would always go over to a friend's house and I'd be like, that is the coolest thing. Talk to my mom. And she was like, yeah, no chance. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I was like, all right, never mind. It was all imagination land. Yeah. Right. I may have had some of the toys. I definitely watched the uh, cartoon version of it mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. well and enjoyed that. Now, did the cartoon, I was trying to remember, did the cartoon come out between Ghostbusters 1 and 2? I was trying to remember that. I think too. so, yeah. Yeah, and they called the it Google the machine. real Ghostbusters. The real Ghostbusters. And Egon was blonde for some reason. Yeah, they sort of reversed the hair. Pete Venkman had sort of a pompadour, whereas... Uh, and he was voiced by Garfield. Oh, yeah. Same mm-hmm. voice Wait, as Garfield. Wait, who Gar- Venkman was? Yeah, the same voice as the Gar- Garfield, the cartoon. Yeah. So it looks like, when I went to the Googleator, uh, the Ghostbusters uh, cartoon, there was one in 1986. That was the filmation one. But the real Ghostbusters, which Steve mentioned, let me see, that was also 86, so 86 to 91. Mm-hmm. So, and that one, yeah, that is weird. It was produced by Columbia Pictures and Coca-Cola Telecommunications. Yeah. Huh. The weird. original, okay, so the one that's not the real Ghostbusters, the right. one that's just called Ghostbusters, from what I remember, is kind of a Scooby-Doo-ish type of thing. <laughs> oh, you I mean, this one? Had, <laughs> yep, that's very the, the Scooby-Doo. That we were looking at a picture oh, of. Wow. Can you put that on the website? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So this so is we were looking at a picture. sort of a gorilla sidekick, right. and they're going after. Yeah, I, I it definitely looks like Fred, a, Velma. Yep. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Are, are there two women in that picture? I guess What's that yeah, one yeah. on the far left. Yeah, okay. it looks like there are two. Equal representation. Okay, there there must have been some kind of uh, copyright fight after that. I, I don't know oh, the history to, of it, yeah. but they said the real Ghostbusters and they came out. I mean, it was a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. I don't. Was it a big hit when it came out? Slimer was part of their team, too. Oh, yeah, yeah oh, Slimer yeah, was but, part of their yeah. team. And again, it was a cartoon that I remember watching on Saturday mm-hmm. morning because at that point, we only had a few channels. Mm-hmm. You know, this was not, <laughs> you know, the, the cable that we have now. Like, when I was watching these, we had the two dials yeah. on the TV. Mm-hmm. The, the second dial had the U, and then you had the mini dial. So... I remember watching it, but I, I honestly I do not remember being like I have to wake up at nine a.m. or whatever to see right. it. It was just on. It was just on. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it was not one of the ones that I got up early for. I feel like it was one of the ones that was on. Remember when like it got to like eleven, eleven thirty a.m. and they're like, "All right, kids, like you're almost <laughs> done. Your parents are almost <laughs> kicking you away from the TV. Yeah. These are the shows." Yeah. So, but getting back to the original movie, mm-hmm. what is the Ghostbusterness of the first one? I mean, what makes it so unique? I'll, I'll give my answer, and then, and Please. then, for okay. me, it's the personalities of it. I mean, obviously, we right, talked yeah. about Bill Murray; he's so clever and so deadpan, yeah. and has these jokes that you just don't see coming. And sometimes he bursts out into these exclamations of, you know, everybody getting this, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Egon is such a distinct character as well, and he always. Uh, stays with his character and he has funny lines as well. It was such a generous movie. Everybody got mm-hmm. their own um, distinct 
things to do. Yeah, and great absolutely. side characters as well. And yes. that's yeah. I mean, Moranis not to skip ahead, but there that was something that I thought was a huge was was missing from this reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. The the side characters and just the character development was so mm-hmm. rich in the first movie, mm-hmm. and I think that's exactly what you're saying. Is they had I mean they were stereotypical characters, but the character development was so rich. Yeah, and um, when the first Ghostbusters came out, it got a lot of negative reviews about really? um, each of the individual characters having too much time, like. In individual scenes without interacting as a group. So weird. To and, think of, like, and that's part of where the character development comes yeah, exactly. from. And they don't do that at all in the reboot. Yeah, the only so character much. you see by herself is Kristen Wiig's character. Yep. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, you, they're always together. You get, yeah, you get like two minutes of Leslie Jones by herself. But yeah, right. we, we'll get into that later. But that does, that definitely is something that, that is weird for a critic. You know, to be like, they spend too much time building these characters right. by themselves. Like, yeah, that is how you get to know these characters and get to love these characters. They would not have made a second one if people were not invested, if people mm-hmm. were not wanting to see more of it. And also so, giving them room to be funny, giving yeah. them room and time on screen to do their thing and have their moments without worrying too much about, oh, are we moving the plot along and stuff? I mean, the first scene with Bill Murray doing the psychological test, mm-hmm. that's my one of my favorites. Yeah. That is so funny. It. It's perfect. I have it's, a it's few one of my favorite favorite, scenes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, the, yeah. it's such a good opening scene to yeah. a movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so, I mean, from beginning to end, every single minute of that scene is funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think partially, and like Steve touched on, like, it is his delivery. Mm-hmm. You know, it is Bill Murray kind of just being Bill Murray. Right. And we're in on it. We can see the card. Right. We know. He, yeah. yeah. Okay. So any other Ghostbusters 1, 1984, any other thoughts, feelings, emotions? The Be- soundtrack. Oh, soundtrack. Yeah. The soundtrack was great. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was all, well, most of it was original songs written for the movie mm-hmm. well Ghost even though ray movie. parker was accused of stealing from um i want a new truck the main beat of the ghostbusters da, song da, is da. taken that one is taken straight from i want a new truck really which is hmm. uh, uh i forget the Steve name of the artist looking at but, me and i'm like i have no <laughs> idea what he's talking about so there were a lot of similarities but it's so catchy i mean but it's great yeah, yeah absolutely it's, i I'm, i think it's an incredible song obviously. and definitely that maybe is the kid-friendly um, part I, of the movie I think is so. the soundtrack because you know that adults aren't going to be listening. I ain't afraid to of no ghosts. Like there's something me, about like me. yeah, you yeah. hear those intro lines. Yeah, it's kind of a na na na, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you, you hear those that intro beat. And who knows with copyright how much you know ten seconds we can actually you know do of it. But yeah, just like to this day, people mm-hmm. of our generation, when you hear that, you are to me, mm-hmm. I'm immediately brought back to being a kid because that was the sound of our childhood. And unlike, I mean, or similar to like star Wars, you know, same type of thing, but there are other movies from our childhood that either did not have, you know, soundtracks that really hit with us that we love the movie, but there's not a sound. There's Mm -hmm. not something that brings you back there with this. You hear that Ray Parker jr. Song, bam, Mm -hmm. you're right there back to being a kid. Are there lines from that movie that have become, terms now i mean don't cross the streams is that yeah, a term oh, i think that's mm-hmm. a term yeah meaning don't don't do this one really bad thing right 
Well, yes. I think I think Steve is alluding to being in a men's restroom. Yeah. Oh, is that's that what you're talking? That's about? not what I was talking about. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, okay. Was that where you're going, Carmen? That's what I think. Okay. Of thank you. So, so it's not all a little on that. <laughs> I was what thinking more about, about you know don't do this one thing that could break our endeavor. Oh. Okay. That's okay. I, I, I would give Carmen a high five, but then it would go all crazy <laughs> on the mics. Right. But at least I'm not alone. <laughs> And that, but I mean, even like when we were leaving the theater today, I had some uh, trash in my hand that I was going to throw in the in the garbage. Right as I was about to do it, Carmen gets in the way of it, and I was like, "Hey!" I was like, "You just got in the way," and it was like the crossing the streams moment. <laughs> I was like, "Why did you mess that up?" Um, but yeah, so I think he slimed me. He but slimed that's not me. that's not yeah. like a cultural term. But there were definitely things that are memorable mm-hmm. that you that sticks with you. Mm-hmm. Just like, yep. you know, it's almost like Seinfeld. You know, Ugh, <laughs> no, I had to mention it. Terrible. crazy. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah. So, that was Ghostbusters 1. Yeah. So, Ghostbusters 2, 1989. Mm-hmm. Five years later, it says in, like, the intro of the of the movie. Which right. Dana Barris is, walking her baby carriage down the street. There, it wow. says five years that later. That is why I bring Carmen on here. <laughs> How many and, times have you seen Ghostbusters 2, do you think? Um, Not as many as okay. the original. But I remember seeing Ghostbusters 2 as a kid. And I remember watching that over and over again as a kid. For yeah. sure. I was, you know, a little bit older, so right. I remember it. So, what about what you, was Steve? your thought as a kid? I mean, did you like it as much as the first one? Um, did it I, feel I don't the know same? That, I don't know that the first one really registered with me. I was born in 1983, mm-hmm. so yeah. I was, you know, by the time the second one came out, that was Ghostbusters for yeah. me. Yep. You know, and um, I loved it. I thought it was cool. Um, a lot of the special effects are just awesome in both of them, and... That is the thing. So for both the first and the second one, like the first one, like, yeah, you can pick it apart if you want to, but they kind of stand up. Like it actually, mm-hmm. it kind of holds the test on. Like, I mean, stay puff, marshmallow man, all of that. Like, you, you know, if you look at that now, you're not like, that looks terrible. Like it actually looks pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Especially the apparitions. I mean, yeah. it, they look as good as any CGI, better than any CGI yeah. That you see today yeah. for like a ghost. Which is, I mean, 1983, there are a lot of movies from our childhood that yeah. do not hold up. Yeah. And so to think about the visuals and the effects, like these, these ones do. And so that is definitely a testament to the creative teams that they had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it is important to talk about the second one when thinking about the remake. Because imagine you're the guys in, in 1989 that had to put together the second one. You go, okay, what elements can we bring from yep. the original right. that are going to make people go, okay, this feels like Ghostbuster, mm-hmm. but at the same time have it be completely new. Um, I don't hate the second one. Uh, oh, you know, that, they brought, <laughs> you know, it does get a lot of like a criticism. People don't like it, but, yeah. you know, it brings back the slime. But yep. I, that's the main character basically in it, besides Vigo. More, Vigo? Vigo. Yeah, Vigo. The mm-hmm. evil painting. Mm-hmm. Um, which I was trying to figure out whether that was a reference in the new one to the painting, but no. There, well, I don't the, think it was a direct reference. There, there's it just a direct happened reference, to be there, but. But I feel like that was definitely a heavy handed, like, so. Well, we'll, we'll wait for, well, yeah, the, yeah, we'll, we'll okay. wait for the new one. But there so is, anyway, there they is bring something. the slime back. They bring all the Ghostbusters back. Mm-hmm. It has clever dialogue, but it just somehow doesn't quite stand up to the first one as far as laughs. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. uh, but so they, so they bring back certain elements, but it does feel like its own distinct movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, it's I mean, it's definitely bringing back the beloved characters. They are true to their characters in the second one, um, and their storylines have been developed, and they. Mm-hmm. They, 
address it in the second one. So it's not like you're left behind or what? How did this person's relationship develop here? Because yeah. there's the whole Dana Barrett, uh, Pete Bankman relationship. Mm-hmm. And I love what they do with that. Um, I love it that they kept Lewis Tully. He's he's like one of my favorite characters in the first. Uh, really? Yeah, Rick, yeah. Rick Moranis. Yeah, Rick mm-hmm. Um In the first. And I love it that they kept him. He He wasn't maybe they didn't put him as far forward in the second one. As, what was as his rumors. role in the second one? I'm, oh, he's with he, Annie Potts. He's, he's with, with Annie Potts. Okay. And at the very end, he puts on the suit and he blasts the museum and mm-hmm. he thinks that he saved oh, the yep. city. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks like, I finally had my moment. Right. like, sorry, Rick Manis. Nope. The crowd's yeah. cheering for him. But and he's everything. The, yeah. you know, he, he gets together with Annie Potts, which is, I, I think it's really mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So the second movie, I definitely remember the second movie more than the first one. Mm-hmm. Because again, I was a little bit older when that came out. Um, and, you know, going back to kind of being kid friendly or is it a family movie? The second one terrified me. Terrified me. Like mm-hmm. the portrait of Vigo. Yeah. Every time I would go to a place where they had a large portrait like that, that was the first thing that came to my mind. So that one, like to me, like Steve was talking about, like, you know, that scare factor, like it might not have had as many jokes or whatever, but to me, the second one, maybe again, it was just the time that I saw it or the imagery that was associated with the second one, as opposed to the first one, way scarier <laughs> to me. Like mm-hmm. it, it, both with the painting, with all of the goo underground, with Gozer, with, mm-hmm. all, I mean, like that was, that was some heavy stuff for me as a mm-hmm. kid watching that. Like that, that was scary. Mm-hmm. And shout out definitely to Sigourney Weaver. You know, who you know is in that. And it's like the whole, you have this Rick Moranis, you know, Sigourney Weaver uh, relationship, you know, mm-hmm. kind of. Um, he was her neighbor in the first one. And that that was like, uh, again, <laughs> one of my, fa- it's just such a good movie. Mm-hmm. It was one of my favorite relationships too, my favorite dynamics, because she was always sort of avoiding him in the yeah. hallways. And then in the second one, he comes back because he's their accountant he's the ghostbusters accountant in the mm-hmm. second one that's why he's in it uh and he babysits mm-hmm. um her son oh, yeah. when he's in danger and so um it brings them back together kind mm-hmm. of yeah and the actor who worships vigo and brings him back is perfect for that he's such he's a so weaselly is, guy i don't know his name does that guy age because he's still <laughs> in stuff now and he looks exactly the same really wow. who, uh yeah who that was john's he's looking it up now yeah been in some like court drama show or something like that recently. Hmm. But um no, he's so he's so great in that movie too and he's kind of um I want to relate him to the the antagonist in the reboot kind of, but um yeah, we'll have to We'll have to revisit that when we start talking about the reboot. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to reveal too much. I cannot remember the name of the the actor. So I, I have it up on IMDb, but I'm like, man, there's not so Vigo's henchman. So number two did have that Stay Puft Marshmallow Man moment, but it happened to be the Statue of Liberty, and mm-hmm. it was sort of on our side this time. That giant Godzilla moment, and the remake also has its Godzilla moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it definitely does. And so so here's the thing with those first two, did they set that trope? to then be consistent throughout all of them? Or do you think that was something that they kind of fell into that they then felt obligated to do in all subsequent versions? 
it's a very American movie. I mean, you've got to have you've got to have it building to something. You've got to have encounters that grow and grow, and the the menace is there, and then it comes to a head, and the people are victorious, and you have a happy ending. I mean, and that's just an American movie, right? New there, York so. City is a huge character, especially in the second one, and yeah, they absolutely. did it in the in yep. the reboot as well. New York City plays its own character, and it's in the first one a little more subtly, but in the second one. You know, it's all about, oh, we got to pick a symbol that stands for, you know, everything good in the world and that will pump people up. And it's it's New Year's Eve in New York City and everyone's out and, you know, they pick the Statue of Liberty and it's all mm-hmm. about New York City and America and everyone sings the old anxiety, old anxiety and yeah. uh, just it's. Yeah, very that gives you that American spirit. For mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> yeah, that's one um failing I think of the first movie though is I, w- I wanted to see one more segment where they took on one more entity you know yeah. they have Slimer in the hotel that's sort of the middle point that's mm-hmm. where they come into their own as Ghostbusters and then you have the media montage where hey they're getting bigger and they're getting right. bigger and you see little flashes of things that they do but I would have liked to see one more set piece, so to speak, in that first movie. Interesting, um, Because yeah. they go right from the Slimer, and then there's all the stuff with the mayor, and then they have the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man and the showdown with Gozer. It's so disappointing, I wanted to see- too. It's so dis- the ending, I, I agree with you. The, the, end, uh, the ending, like the showdown part of it, is disappointing. Okay. Because what, what, I fu- of the sequel? Of the no. first one, of the, the very first, one. yeah, the okay. very first one. Like, Can you that's on that all. A little more. What? What? That's what is, all it took to defeat. Well, oh, oh, shooting they, into the. Yeah, they start off and they just shoot at the bad guy in the first one, and um, they're like, "Oh, that was it. That was all it took to defeat the big bad guy, the, the boss at the end." And then the boss ends up coming back bigger and badder than ever. But then blowing up the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man was all it took, and the city is saved. And there's no yeah. more. There's no more ghosts anymore. It was just kind of disappointing. It was anticlimactic <laughs> right. yeah. for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the second one, the second one, there was a lot of drama at the end. I appreciated the the buildup and the the. the Remind release, me what happens so at the end of number two. Um, well, the entire sky sort of fills fills with clouds, and the the stream of ooze sort of covers the outside mm-hmm. of the museum. Yep. And they shoot Vigo with the anti-slime because they positively charge it. Oh, that's right. With the good vibes. Yeah. From, okay. And so they, that's how they defeat him. But it takes, it takes a while and it takes mm-hmm. a couple of tries. And, you know, he infuses his evil powers into other people, other characters there. So they have to be yeah. anti-slimed as well. It was, it was similar to Goku's spirit bomb. And Dragon Ball Z to throw out another geeky reference oh, okay. out there, where he just you hit. give me crap for Seinfeld. Well, and- <laughs> difference is Dragon Ball Z is awesome. Seinfeld is garbage. Oh my god! So, Whoa. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, we have to gather all the good energy, you know, all the New Yorkers and mm-hmm. and help with with that. It's good versus evil. It's the classic yeah. good versus evil, and you know, of course, good triumphs overall. Of the course. American the American ending. And the first one is a very eighties movie in that they're fighting a larger entity. In that one right. it was strangely the EPA trying to shut them down. Well they're definitely very anti establishment and it's always the government that's after them. Even in the third one, the government isn't this big bad guy because I, I think they were trying to I think that was intentional. They're trying to make it of the time a little bit. I mean, in the 80s, the stock market was going crazy and speculators and real estate people were 
uh, causing problems for people, I guess. I mean, they were taking mm. advantage of the boom in the economy. And so it was of that time. And the third one, it's a terrorist, essentially. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's, you know, some of the current concerns. But remind me, I haven't seen number two recently. Do you think number two was of the time? Was there something about uh, 1989 or, you know, things leading up to 1989 that, are there any themes that are address, addressed in Ghostbusters 2? Carmen's thinking. Um, that's a good <laughs> right. question. Well, I don't know. I was pretty young to like, you know, have cor- felt correlate. something at the time to yeah. recall. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. I mean, they get thrown into an in insane asylum by the the mayor's goons. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about good vibes versus bad vibes? I mean, it was the end of the Cold War, Berlin right. Wall. Yeah. Berlin, the yeah. Statue yeah. Of it all comes back to that, you know, America, powerful symbolism yeah. and mm-hmm. everybody, everybody just needs to band together. That's all we need to do to defeat evil. Yeah, right. that definitely is something through all three of these, like Carmen brought up, New York is a character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and that is something that I've never been to New York, mm-hmm. but watching movies like this where it feel, you feel mm-hmm. New York, you know, you really truly, you know, it's not a sound stage. It is not something like that. Like, and I think shooting there, shooting on location, you really get that sense. And that is something that I think brings a different level, an additional level. It seems to very movies. authentic, too. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like it's forced. Yeah. And in the, in the reboot, um, Leslie Jones's character is very, like, stereotypical New York mm-hmm. and, you know, works for the subway system, and mm-hmm. et cetera. Yeah. Cool. So that – oh, and then real quick, Peter Mac, McNichol – that guy, uh, he played Vigo's henchman, uh, and yeah, you are right. Like he, he looks good. He looks exactly the same. So good for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> shout out, shout out to him. But yeah, he terrified me. He plays me. like an Eastern European uh, museum artist, yeah. curator type thing. Uh, but yeah, good for him. Uh, if yeah. he is on Twitter, I will find him and give him a shout out. But but yeah, I mean, so that was terrifying. But anything else with Ghostbusters two? Like any other? Specific things like some of the imagery with that, that of course, you know, sticks out similar to like the exorcist moments that kind of become like Steve was talking about part of the nomenclature, part of you know, life. When you like when you saw Sigourney Weaver floating above the bed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was Gozer and it was because um, Gozer was the key maker. No, the Gozer was the god that they are oh, worshiping mm-hmm. and right. trying to bring him back. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then Rick Moranis is like, are you, you know, Gozer and she flies off the bed and all of that stuff. So that similar type of, you know, possessed imagery that I think the generation before us had with Exorcist. To me, I think the first, you know, imagery that I saw of something like that of a possession was in Ghostbusters 2. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I don't know Ghostbusters 2 well enough to analyze it anymore. Then I wish I had seen it again. Actually, I know I thought about that this whole time. I was like, I really should watch this. I have the the box set. Do you have that one, Carmen? I do. I the, have, the green and I one. Have the collectors. Oh, oh well, sorry, fancy pants. <laughs> uh, I only have the the regular one. I think. Yeah. So I uh, in the collectors edition, mm-hmm. there are episodes of the cartoon as well. If you are interested in that. Mm-hmm. There's a couple other criticisms you could make of the first one. I mean, they introduce Ernie Hudson pretty late. I don't know if he was an add-on to the script late or yeah. what. I mean, and I, just I don't really think he's do even on the cover of oh, really? uh, of, of any the of the of, of any of the um, 
the covers that I've seen yeah. of Ghostbusters. I don't think he's even on Ghostbusters 2 on the cover. Really? Really. Oh, wow. That's a slap I in could the face. be wrong if I'm wrong. Wow. And, uh, of course, people talk about the uh, ghost sexual encounter that Dan Aykroyd right. has, which seems <laughs> out of place, let's be honest. And it's just kind of weird. I, there's a longer kind of version forced. of that scene, too. What? Uh, the, Is that the on outtakes. the... Is it in the collector's edition? I think so. I think it's in... I was going to say, so yeah, yeah. I just, I went, I went to my collection and pulled out the one that I have. So I just have the, the regular one, the double feature gift set. Uh, yeah, this one does not have, oh, I know this one, the Ghostbusters, two special features, two animated episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's outtakes. See, and the one the that I have, it has, there are outtakes and it's like extended scenes of. Is this the version you have? It's sort of a green no. and yellow slimy cover. I have Ghostbusters one with that one cover, but it's not the two together. Yeah, I got okay. this. Oh, she's for Christmas quite a few years ago uh, from, I think, my dad, actually, yeah. <laughs> now that I think about it. Um, but that is the thing. I think with movies like this, I'm a huge advocate for post-credit bloopers. Mm-hmm. I think every movie should have a gag reel. Every movie should have a blooper reel, especially for comedies. Because, again, we'll get into it in the, you know, when we talk about the new movie. But you want to see those extra takes. I don't. Really? Oh, really? I I don't think it should be in every movie. I think uh, this new movie did a good job of Mm. lightly touching the meta aspects of things. Okay. And one thing I liked about the new movie is that they fully committed to it being a standalone Ghostbusters film. True. They didn't. They re- didn't do a lot of winking and nudging, mm-hmm. nudging. You know, there was a little bit of that, but it was a light cameos, touch. There was a little bit and... of cameos and stuff, but uh, they really, I think they wanted it to stand on its own. I think they yeah. wanted it to I be agree. its own movie and not just be a nostalgia fest. No, it was, um, a, it was definitely a modern, it was the 2016, mm-hmm. this is a new movie. Reestablishing a timeline, yeah. reestablishing who the Ghostbusters are. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. okay. And, they have their own story. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're the nieces of right. the original Ghostbusters. Yeah. And that was what people, you know, at the, you know, we talked about before, we will not really touch too much on the controversy of this, but there were those concerns of like, okay, how are they going to connect this? Are these the daughters? Are these the, who cares? Yeah. Like who cares? Like it is just, it is a movie. It is a remake. Yes. So people are going to gripe about it. Yeah. But just go with it. Just go into it as a movie. Right. So before we get into the new movie too much, anything else with the second movie? No. Not nope. for me. I mean, it's good. It's yeah. good. It feels like Ghostbusters. It feels different than the first mm-hmm. one. Definitely. You gotta watch but it But it's still pretty good. You guys, I'm yeah. giving you an assignment. You have to watch Ghostbusters okay. too. Okay. Well, I mean, like back I said, I have it right here. Okay, right. So. I recommend yeah. Back to Back. I recommend, I recommend Back to Back. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. I've not done that probably since a sleepover in like elementary school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, cool. All right. So that was Ghostbusters 1 and 2. Moving on to the hot topic, which is the new Ghostbusters of 2016. <laughs> Teen, uh, I definitely have a few, <laughs> few bullet points. But can, can we first say that we saw this in a theater that served alcohol? Yes, <laughs> sure. And yes, that, we absolutely can. I think that that I noticed. <laughs> I noticed the audience reaction to mm-hmm. a lot of things that I did not have as strong a reaction me to, too, and too. I yeah. wondered if that had part to play in it or if it was just. It was unusual. My sense yeah, of they, humor was off. Or I yeah, like, I'm with you on that. Yeah, it, it was it <laughs> was an interesting experience because there there were times when all three of us because 
you know, I kind of, I would look down the aisle and kind of check up on us. The rest of the audience was cracking up. Mm-hmm. The three of us, we were like, okay. Did like, I you know, in certain places. So, I mean, I definitely places. laughed. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I laughed. Yeah. So, but yes, that, who knows? And we also saw this at a matinee, which was nice That's because yeah. you get a little afternoon drink in you. <laughs> who knows? It is on, you know, we were recording this on a Saturday, so a little bit relaxed. Uh, okay. So who wants to start off talking about the new movie? You said you had some bullet points. So well, of course I, I have bullet points. I have bullet points of every movie. Very um, curious to hear what you have to say. All right. So uh, this was, again, an interesting jumping off point in the sense where it really does feel like a new movie because our generation remembers the first two. We remember, we remember the cartoon maybe a little bit more than others. Like my nephews and nieces and things like that, do they? Like, have they ever seen the first one? So I think this movie, to its credit, it does start new. It starts fresh. So that was kind of the first thing that I wanted to touch on was that it does feel new. You know, they make the winks, nudge, you know, wink, wink, nudge, say no more, say no more type of thing to the originals. But it still feels new. They gave the characters enough agency to build a new, you know, we'll depend. We'll see how this opening couple weekends go, but to build a new franchise you know, to build a new type of thing. And from what I heard, apparently they still might be going forward with another Ghostbusters that has an all-male cast. Why? <laughs> like, it just, it, the, I just do not get it. Like, let this be its own thing in the sense of, you know, these characters are given the ability to be their own thing and not beholden to, oh, yeah, I started this because my cousin and uncle is Peter Venkman. Mm. There is a very, very slight nod to one character's uh, mentor, and it's at the end, so I will not touch on that. But it was done in such a way where it was 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, that was all we needed. It was not so hand And it doesn't directly, it doesn't put it in your face at yep. all. Exactly. So, but yeah, so before I go into all of my bullet points... How about Steve and then Carmen? What is like? What is one bullet point that you wrote down, or something that you noticed? I'd like to start by sort of establishing what I came into it with. Okay, I deliberately avoided all trailers. Mm. Maybe I saw the first trailer, right. and I didn't read any of the so-called controversy of mm-hmm. having an all-female cast because I just don't think it's relevant. Right. I didn't read any reviews. Mm-hmm. This is something I'm trying to do more recently: is to mm. go into it with. As much of a blank slate as possible. If I know that I'm interested in a movie, either because of its connection to it being one of my favorite movies or uh, having some cachet, if I decide I'm going to see it, I mean, Star Wars, for example, I did not, I deliberately avoided all the trailers. I really want to see it. Oh, I went in deep. Yeah. I watched every trailer, every behind the scenes (laughs) feature read. I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to do it, but that's the way I like to go in. Mm -hmm. So uh, I went in without that, without a lot of foreknowledge of it, but I knew that the director, Paul Feig had worked mm-hmm. with, um, Melissa McCarthy, Melissa McCarthy Multiple before. Times. And I know that, uh, one of those was, blo- um, bridesmaids. Mm-hmm. I was afraid that they were going to make it to bridesmaids. E. Okay. Uh, I liked bridesmaids, but mm-hmm. I didn't think that that s- approach to the comedy was necessarily going to fit. So what is bridesmaid? It's a little bit, uh, raunchy, a lot of bit, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Compar- comparatively. Yeah, and yep. they let the actors do sort of improv lines, yep. and they let it go Absolutely. on, and they edit it later. 
in Bridesmaids and other Judd, Judd Apatow, Paul Feig types of movies, I'm thinking mm-hmm. of horrible bosses, and I'm thinking where they just sort of let them go for yep. a while and edit it later. I'm getting a little tired of that because we've really? seen it a okay. lot. And so I was worried that they were going to let Melissa McCarthy go and it was just kind of not going to feel right pacing-wise. Okay. Um, and I was worried it would be too meta, as I said before. But having seen the movie, I think they didn't do that. <laughs> I think they avoided um, making it too much like Bridesmaids mm-hmm. or too much like Judd Apatow. And uh, they did a light touch on the meta aspect. And... Um, yeah, I thought they did a great job. So I think they casted it well. Kate McKinnon, I think she yeah. could be a star. I she think she's it. great on SNL. Mm-hmm. And oh, uh, okay, I, Carmen I just looked over Carmen. No, Carmen I, love, I, I love Kate McKinnon. Head. I was so excited to see her. She was the one that I was really excited to see, and I did not care for her in this movie. Wow, I, just, I didn't. She was my least favorite in the movie, and I just strongly dislike uh, Melissa McCarthy. Just really? in general, you don't. In general, you don't like I think she's and... she's got you know she's a one trick pony kind of thing. Like, oh, you interesting. Know. Yeah. But I was very impressed with her in this movie. I okay. thought that she like was way toned down and um, just I saw a different side of her and liked her character more. But Melissa, or, uh, Kate McKinnon, love her. This was not my favorite, mm-hmm. but I do think she's going to be a huge star. Mm-hmm. I don't think she was terrible. I was just. I guess disappointed because I, I think had high hopes for her. Comparatively, she is one of the characters that kind of is kind of ratcheting ratcheting it up just a little bit. Um, what do you mean by that? By that I mean most McCarthy seems natural, mm-hmm. like lover or hater, similar to Bill Murray. She has that ability to kind of when you are watching her, you are like, all right, this this is mostly believable. You know, uh, Carmen again is shaking your head, but that is okay. <laughs> so, so with. McKinnon, it felt like a lot of her jokes were just a little bit forced or a little weird. bit heavy. She was yeah. kind of cartoony. That's true. It was she yeah. was Tank Girl. Hmm. Interesting. She was Tank Girl. She had a Tank Girl sort of character that was just like not. I didn't believe it, hmm. and everything had was just a little too wacky. There, there was a lot of wacky. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of wacky. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, because Egon was her. wacky. But he was also grounded. He was, yeah, very serious, yeah. and everything was very in character. I mean, I thought that that was Rick. Uh, it was uh, Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis. Mm-hmm. When I saw the movie, I just thought that that's who he was. I thought yeah. that, that was real. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, it, <laughs> so the first time. it does not translate in the same way that McKinnon. You are watching it. You feel like she was playing a character as opposed to that right. believable. Right, and I was detaching totally from Saturday Night Live. I mean, because she plays so many characters, and she plays them so well. I thought I love her on Saturday Night Live, but Mm -hmm. just didn't. didn't I can totally see that criticism that she's a bit cartoony, but it was entertaining. Mm -hmm. She was entertaining to me personally. Yeah, yeah, and that was one of the things that before I go into my next bullet point, I want to go to Carmen because (laughs) I did mine. See what it is. So. (laughs) Yeah, what what you got for for this new version? To elaborate a little bit on the. <clears throat> the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciated it that they didn't try to have an exact like binary match yep. between the original cast and this cast. Um, the only sort of binary that I saw was Leslie Jones's character was like the the non intellectual, non scientist character. She was blue collar. She was of New York and just was looking for a job and. 
um, fit in really well. She was another one that I thought would be way too over the top, and I, I loved her character. Mm-hmm. I thought she was great. She was super funny, and she was the, like I said, that New York spirit that we all love to see on TV or in the movies. She, she was one that kind of brought brought it down to kind of that human level. Of mm-hmm. Like when you have these scientists talking about proton packs and right. all of these things, and you have that one character who's like, wait, what? Yeah. And so that she was, was the Winston <laughs> character, yeah. which I mean, you know, lovable character. Love it. But there wasn't um, the playboy, you know, the female version of the playboy smart ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Pete Fankman character. Right. Um, there was, so I have sort of n- narrowed it down to Kristen Wiig was sort of the dorky, frumpy yes, scientist. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, like I said, Kate McKinnon, I thought she was sort of tank girl, off mm-hmm. the wall, wacky. But who was Melissa McCarthy? Well, I think, as you said, she doesn't fit any, necessarily any binary of the first one. Right. Um, I mean, she's also a scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, did you believe? But she her didn't as have a, like a like a super stereotypical role that you see in every movie. You know, like she right. wasn't the maybe that's a good thing. Ex character. <laughs> no, it was a it was oh, okay, a great good, thing. I really good. appreciated mm-hmm. it that they did that, and I appreciated it that it wasn't the female version of Pete Bankman, the female version mm-hmm. of yeah. yep. Ray, the female version of Egon. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. and I think the closest correlation is the Winston to Leslie Jones, mm-hmm. but it was way updated and way very updated. new, fresh. It didn't feel like. A copy. Yeah, and here, I mean, here's my quick thing when talking about Leslie Jones on what I have just come up with, and by that I mean while I was watching the the movie, on the Medea scale of <laughs> one to ten of sassy black woman, Leslie Jones is like a nine and a half. Yeah, I say yeah. that because the only thing she did not do was snap her fingers. Ah, and I was really worried about that going into it because looking at some of the trailers, I was like, really, is this is this what we're going to do? Is yeah. this every joke? Right. Because, again, the, one of the trailers, um, you know, you see the crowd surfing scene and Melissa McCarthy gets carried off. She jumps. Nobody catches her. You knew that was going to happen. And so I was, I was worried about it going into. I was like, man, are they going to just ham fist this? Uh, but with this, even though she was a nine and a half out of ten on the, I'm going to copyright that, the Medea scale of sassy black woman. <laughs> it, so to me, that got a little bit hard as the movie went on. I was just like. Come on, like give her, give her as much agency as some of the other characters, mm-hmm. and let her kind of break away from that because they showed her intelligence. Like she worked for the MTA, the I, Metro Transit Association, or something, so she knows New York. Like we're talking about New York being a character, she is New York, right? She knew the building, she was the living she knew, map, yeah, and, she the, was, and she yep. knew the history of all mm-hmm. the. <laughs> so, so they gave her that intelligence, but I still feel like so many of the jokes were just were kind of handed that way, and it was like okay, like, I get it, but I kind of want a little bit more development. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was no development. Uh, that's one of my huge complaints about this movie is there wasn't a lot of good character development. And I think that part of that is that they didn't have the characters separated at all. It yeah. was all... Other than Kristen Wiig. Like other we than Kristen Wiig. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the main characters weren't developed very well, and there weren't a lot of good side characters. I hated, oh. I hated the um, receptionist. So the receptionist that she is mentioning is Thor, Thor. a.k.a. Chris Hemsworth. Um, when you talk about, I did not think of a scale to put it. Um, maybe the, I'm trying to think of like, but yeah, like the, the dumb blonde scale of like that right. stereotypical 
receptionists that you see in all sorts of media, TV, movies. I mean, if there's a one to 10 scale, man, he was at 15. It was off the charts. I mean, and that again, was just like, why? Because when you, when you think about, um, was it Allie Potts? In the Annie, Annie, Annie Potts. In the first one, like, yes, you know, she was kind of that like nasally pitched, you know, kind of. But she was stereotype. interesting, exactly. But and she you had wanted something. to know more about mm-hmm, her, mm-hmm. and this guy was just like, oh, I, I, I can't. There's nothing I can say that won't give anything away. But <laughs> right? uh, when they were interviewing him, mm-hmm. I had hoped that it was just a a quick cameo yeah. that he was doing, and it mm, was that dude. they were going to be like. Oh, next, or you know, like they were going to find someone better, but mm-hmm. no, they keep him, and it feels like a studio note that he became a central figure later on in the movie. You know, they're like, we have Chris Hemsworth, mm-hmm. big star, in, yeah, big draw. He's going off the charts in the um, focus groups. Let's make him part of the final story. You know, but but that. I'm totally with you that I think they should have just kept him a, a side character and, mm-hmm. and it was just, a yeah, missed op- it was a missed opportunity to have a really great side character. Mm-hmm. He, I like Chris Hemsworth. I think he that they could have done something really great with his character. Yeah, but but he it, was he was too dumb. It was a flop because there's a thing like you can have a dumb character who all of those jokes are based on the intelligence. And he, I mean, just everything. It was everything smashed into one that. Yep. And that I think again, pushed it just a little bit too far. And I get it. It is ghostbusters. You can be cartoony. Um, one, one other thing when you talked about are the originals kids movies, this movie is bubble gum. Yeah. Like this movie is the softest like kids movie. There was the whole flipping the bird scene. But, I mean, yeah, the, the, you know, so a character, the worst. a character flips someone yeah. off, but that is it. Like yeah. this was just taffy. Like mm-hmm. this is just, bl- I say bland, not necessarily in a bad way, but just you can bring anybody of any age to see this. Yeah. A lot of pop culture references yeah. to that kids would be interested. Um, the, the one thing I noticed about, um, I was thinking about the, um, the different products that the product placement that oh, they man. use. That's all all me. It always bothers right. me. And yeah. they open it with like Amazon. Oh, your book's on Amazon, mm-hmm. you know, and oh, um, yeah, heavy. then the Pringles, there's the whole Pringles scene mm-hmm. and, you know, it's all very like kid friendly stuff. And then the, the first one, they're like drinking Budweiser. Yeah. There's, they say Twinkie like six times in the first one. Now, did one. you notice? So that is the other thing is when you do a movie that takes place in New York, and Steve and I are agree on that when it comes to product placement, like it just gets way overdone. The difference with New York, when you actually set it there and you do Times Square and you have billboards they everywhere. Times Square. They always they, they set always, some <laughs> scene in Times Square so right. they can have the maximum so that, amount yeah, of exactly. even if it doesn't fit. No, they so they did, had they did a lot of movie references though in this one. I was they did a mm. ton of Patrick Swayze movie references. Yes. Yep. There was a Bella Lugosi movie mm-hmm. billboard there yep. was uh fist of, fist fury. of fury bruce lee yeah i'm fine with the movie references yeah it's no, the that products that bother right. me <laughs> exactly but i understand it, it, that's it's placing it, it in, a in a very specific time capsule. right yeah yeah so i mean it was it was interesting that but i think with again new york you can get away with a little bit more when you go to times square but mm-hmm. even so looking at it you cannot help yourself but to look at every billboard and in roll Times your square. Eyes. yeah so yeah. Hostess was in this one also, mm-hmm. just like in the first one. So apparently, yeah, Hostess likes cutting <laughs> checks to Ghostbusters. Um, but yeah, so 
what else? What else do you got, Steve? For for this one, because I, I have a few more bullet points, and I'm sure Carmen does oh, also. Yeah, but I do. I think we should talk about the visual effects. Yeah. I think okay. the first ghost was incredible. Yeah, uh, the uh, painting based ghosts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we mentioned awesome. earlier. Mm-hmm. The proton packs look amazing. They look yeah. like the original, and they also went through an evolution throughout, which I thought was great. They sound mm-hmm. like they should. They got a lot more gadgets and tools in this oh, one. Oh yeah, I like and that. it seemed very um, organic, video, video gamey. Okay. Well, oh, okay. I think I think in the way of leveling up, they didn't. You know. They only caught two ghosts in the whole movie. They <laughs> blew. They just blasted the ghosts and they disappeared. That was that was one thing yeah. that was weird. Yeah. And so we will not. So that was the other thing. And, you know, kind of uh, no, no, the no. Ghost grenade, <laughs> the ghost grenade and the ghost right. chipper. Yeah. And, so so yeah. we will not be doing any spoilers on this. But yes, there is something. It seemed like in the first ones, and especially in the cartoon, I feel like well, from what I remember. The, Containing the, the ghost packs. is part of it. Exactly. It was you. I remember so many scenes of them kicking out the little rectangle thing that would pop open. My friend had one of those also. Jerk. Not that I was jealous. Whatever. <laughs> I'm over it. I was a kid. Anyway. So, you know, so that there was a lot of that. And this one, Carmen is absolutely right that like when it comes to actually containing the ghosts, never happened. I actually it's remember. It's not scientific. It's just not scientific, <laughs> you guys. They're, they're mainly about destroying the ghost, which you cannot really just like with a grenades, zomb- yeah, just well. like a zombie movie, you cannot feel bad <laughs> if someone is destroying a ghost. In the cartoon, I remember one episode where they had this big because they were in a firehouse, they had this big container unit mm-hmm. for the ghost. At one point, Slimer went in there and he needed help. They ended up going in like this extra dimension oh. type mm-hmm. thing where the ghosts were. None of that was in here. Like they well, they touched on the containment unit. That's not canon, John. Oh, also, <laughs> they're they're firing these. So in the in the original ones, they spend a lot of time and like this is a very very dangerous tool. Yeah. It's very very dangerous. You could be you know like we have nuclear accelerators on our back. Mm-hmm. And in this one, they're just firing into the crowd. Yep. They're at the rock concert. Yeah. And they just fire into the crowd and and nobody's alarmed. Nope. Everyone's just <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. The final fight. Uh, where they use a lot of their toys all at mm-hmm. once. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I mean, it didn't bother me. It was entertaining. I, I know they didn't capture any ghosts, but I, I'm, I'm willing to see that as part of the evolution. I yeah. mean, because if they have to capture each one yeah. and take it back to the containment unit, mm-hmm. I mean, that takes time. I mean, that's... Yeah. I mean, so it does make sense. Like I was saying with zombie movies, it is okay if you annihilate zombies. It is okay if you annihilate ghosts. These are, you know other other realm spirits so like it is fine whatever and yes it would be ridiculous if there are a bunch of spirits everywhere to try and capture all of them but yeah i mean so that was an interesting choice they they did do it in the first one (laughs) but i mean i i could see your point is they could evolve the technology to capture it they could have had really cool capture devices in this one that captured them faster and there Mm -hmm. was a a central mobile unit that they used to capture them or something like that that's some sort of like spherical thing Maybe that had two colors, like a red top and a white bottom. Let's not even open you know? that Pokeball. <laughs> so so nice. this kind of brings me uh, around to the, the beginning of the movie. Um, I really felt like was a development more of uh, Ghost Hunters types of shows. Mm-hmm. And they reference that in they the did, movie yeah. and say, oh, that's not us. We use science mm-hmm. and like, you know, whatever. But I felt like it just continued through the whole thing. They They don't really talk about a lot of science i mean there's there's science there's supposed to be scientists mm-hmm. yeah but or rather they, they don't talk about how like where they get 
the energy, where they get the materials, yeah. where they... And know. they don't talk about the mythology of it very much. In exactly. the first one, they talk about Tobin's spirit guide and... Mm-hmm. They use the occult, they use a lot of occult references, a lot of, you know, paranormalism as a science. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in this one, it's just, there's either science or paranormal and never the twain shall meet. And And you have Kate McKinnon, who, you know, is the engineer of all of them. And so she would go into the kind of science of the tech behind it, but in all of these terms that never get quantified. Mm -hmm. Okay, I got it. We fixed Ghostbusters 2016. Okay. Make this should be good. Melissa McCarthy, the believer, make her the occultist, the one that's the uh, one that knows everything about ghosts mm-hmm. from, mytho- from a mythological standpoint. Then you can play her off Kate McKinnon. You can play her off of Kristen uh, Wig, mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. the frumpy one trying to get her moving her career forward. And then you've got more distinct. I mean, that's one criticism I had about this especially in light of the first one, it, the characters didn't feel very distinct, which mm-hmm. is what Carmen yep. was saying before as well. Yeah, yep. And it also became, so watching this, this might, like Lorne Michaels might as well have been an executive producer. One of the executive producers was Dan Aykroyd, mm. but four out of the five women that are in this movie that actually have lines in our characters are from SNL. Mm-hmm. Because even the mayor's assistant, she is one of the new featured uh cast of SNL for the past couple years. So that was kind of, well, it felt to me, knowing that they are on SNL, knowing that I have seen some of their skits, I was like, okay, like that was an interesting choice. And similar to every SNL movie, yeah. there were times in this where I feel like the skit went on too long. But you're talking about 50% of comedies now have Jason Sudeikis, Bill Hader. He's the voice of everything now. Right. I mean, this generation of SNL players is making half of the comedies now. And actually, I'm a little tired of Kristen Wiig. I'm sorry, but she is in so many movies in, now. She does a lot of stuff. I, I, I like her, but mm-hmm. she's not my favorite. Um, and I think she's reaching the saturation point. I also mm-hmm. reached a saturation point with the new office. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. Michael Scott, the new guy, the new head of the office. Steve uh, Carell. Steve Carell. Oh, yeah. okay. He was in way too much stuff. It's doing the same. And both of them went more in a serious direction after SNL, they, they yeah. did more serious roles and not necessarily comedy. Which every, every kind of comic, especially kind of if you take that SNL model, at some point they want to do something different. Um, even Jim Carrey. Yeah, even Jim Carrey. I mean, mm-hmm. like Truman Show, I think was the first one where he tar- you know, started to do something serious. Mm-hmm. But to me, like watching this, it was, it was hard for me to kind of have that separation again to be like, is this just a long SNL skit? Mm-hmm. I would say I, no. I think it stands on its own. It, it didn't feel yeah. like a skit to me, but I do get tired of seeing the same SNL players in every comedy. Yeah. I kind of felt like the movie was divided into two movies. The first half was mm. a comedy. The second half was more of like a horror drama movie. I mean, it was obviously an action movie. Light. An, yeah, I, exactly. I would say action movie. Exactly. Action action movie not a horror movie, yeah. really. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, and I, I liked the second half better that was not the comedy yeah. portion. And I thought that Kristen Wiig, when she wigs out, Oh, do, 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 uh, I thought that I liked her character a lot more when she starts kind of freaking yeah. out a little bit mm-hmm. and she gets really like, Oh my gosh, this is a real thing mm-hmm. and I need to save the city. And she's, but she, her comedy gets amped up in the second half when everyone else is being serious. And in mm, the yeah. first half, everyone else is like, 
being really funny and over the top and she's very serious. Mm -hmm. So I liked her better as the only funny one. Mm -hmm. Did the visual effects work for you? Yeah. Did the sound and sound effects (laughs) work for you? That was so enthusiastic. Yeah. The visual effects were fine. Music? Did you like the, the remix no. of no. the... Oh, really? I, you I liked, know, I did, I liked I did remix. like the remix. Okay, the so, remix John, like. do you want to like... What is the remix? Do so you know the... the remix the... Does to the new song is by Missy Elliott and Fall Out Boy. Wow. Yeah. Talk about I would in, not have guessed an interesting that. pairing, but it has that same you know intro like we talked about. Yeah. It still felt like the same. Mm-hmm. And so I was completely okay with it. I yeah. liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like we it. heard the Ray Parker Jr. song, and we heard the new song, and we heard a couple other riffs on the original. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the soundtrack was... Forgettable. There was like one song that I recognized from 15 years ago, <laughs> uh-huh. and that was it. Otherwise, it was just background mm-hmm. yeah. music. And I liked... In the first two, Dana Barrett was was an orchestra performer mm-hmm. and so they had a lot of really orchestral pieces mm. in it that sort of mm-hmm. meshed it all together made it flow right and i didn't it just wasn't it didn't Did not really hold feel me. that way yeah it, okay. it didn't suck me in and we heard some of the classic spooky sounds in mm-hmm. the original that we didn't get in this one in the original you hear a lot of the theremin mm-hmm. yeah. you know especially in the library <laughs> uh was that was that that's okay, it. there yeah. we go. I was, I was just about to make fun of Steve's <laughs> theremin, <laughs> and then Carmen hit me with a great theremin. So, and yeah, we, we didn't get that classic spooky sound in this. You're right; it's more okay. modern in a way, mm-hmm. more modern, and also just yeah, lost. it is background. Like there, again, just like we were talking about, or I was talking about before. That of course you guys agreed with me. Um, that with that original song, with the Ray Parker Jr. song, give us the first ten seconds of that. We know exactly where we are. Mm-hmm. We know they what did. we're doing. And so they did it with this. Two and a half minutes into the yeah. movie, they we're gave just, us 15 seconds, and yep. that and it made it feel like Ghostbusters. As yeah. soon as the credits started, I turned to Steve, and I was like, countdown to when they give us the original music. And it was seriously like two and a half minutes in. Mm. And I felt, but it was, it was okay. Like, I, I was wanting that and expecting that, and I felt it was, you know, it was a good payoff. Um, the other thing is, like, and Steve touched on this a little bit, the improv. Of this, I think that is why I want to see gag reels. That is why I want to see deleted scenes because you want to see, you know, that Paul Feig at some point just set the camera up and was like, go. And they probably went through four or five different line combinations. I want to see that. Hopefully it is on the DVD extras, but that improv, I like it when you can tell that the director has faith in the cast to let them do it. Mm -hmm. I still disagree. I think it would have affected the pacing. I think when they allow those improv moments to go on too long, Mm -hmm. it slows the movie down. And in this one, they had to keep things moving. They had to get them to meet each other. They had to have their first encounter. It was a two-hour movie, though. They they had time. For me, the length is unimportant. Did the pacing work or didn't it work? I think the pacing worked. You had moments, you know, you had some touching moments and you had some moments of action and Mm -hmm. then you had down moments where it was just funny and then another action scene. What about all the nuanced comedy that was in the first movie and the second movie that uh, was more like facial expression or mm-hmm. just like an awkward pause th- yeah. you know that was kind of missing you're right and that was more yeah. improvised by the the actors that they used i bill murray one of you know one of my favorites of all time had so many just if you if you're not paying attention you'll miss it mm-hmm. moments of a facial expression yep. a look a pause i a- should have given him that opportunity in his cameos in this I movie know, I was they, disappointed. so yeah what did you think of bill murray's cameo in this movie oh, 
without it's going into too much. It's hard to say a bad word about him, <laughs> but I was, I mean, I wasn't disappointed in him. Mm-hmm. I was just disappointed in the, the opportunity that they gave him. Yeah. Because, Cause, and, and that is something that I, that I have heard in other kind of, you know, uh, reviews. So just kind of throw this out there and this is not a spoiler because it has been talked about in other places. Every original cast member gets a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, even, and I mean, rest in peace to Harold Ramis. Like, it, you, if you blink, you miss it. But at one point, you see a bust mm-hmm. uh, of him. And that was really nice. Because I was, I was not sure if they were going to do a title card at the end. You know, be like, you know, rest in peace or something. Uh, but they gave him a little bust, you know, in a, in a school. That was nice. And everyone else, except for Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis was the only but one. But that- I can respect that because Rick Moranis just kind of... He he's chosen to, not to yeah, act. He, he has yeah. chosen not to do anything mm-hmm. um, post mid nineties when he decided to focus on his family. Absolutely respect that. So I was not waiting for the Rick Moranis thing. So I was like, I respect it. Like, you know, do your thing. This is a, an industry you have chosen not to be a part of, mm-hmm. but everyone else from the original cast, even of the second one gets a moment. Um, yeah. I mean, they gave him a cameo. They didn't really give him a good laugh line. It would have been nice to see a little bit more, but yeah. I well, understand that, you only have 60 seconds with the cameo there. Yeah. Um, there's not really a whole lot you can do, but it would have been nice to have a good something <laughs> moment. You know, I was, a, I was surprised that they got everyone in there. I honestly was too, because like Dan Aykroyd, I only know, I only found out until the very end that he was an executive producer. Because mm-hmm. like for years, decades, they had talked about doing a Ghostbusters remake and so many of the different actors were like, eh, I'm not really interested, blah, blah, blah. So to get all of them together, even if it is only for that 60 seconds, I thought was great. Because it was like, all right, by hook or by crook, they at least get that moment. Where again, our generation, we get it. We mm-hmm. get the joke. That younger generation, they might not. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think they did that well. Let me pose this. Qu- oh, sorry. You were going to say something. I was just going to say uh, a quick shout out to uh, Karan. I think it is Karan Sony who plays Benny, who's a delivery guy. Mm-hmm. He is quickly becoming a favorite. You talk about side character. He was Dopinder in Deadpool. Uh, he was a taxi driver. He is a delivery guy in this. Like, like I, you put him in every movie, even as a side character. Good he, for him. He was good. He was yeah. a good mm-hmm. little side character. So, but I think he was the only side character. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to pose the question. Mm-hmm. Is it funny? If you, let's say you're, let's say you come from another planet, <laughs> you show up oh, okay. here, or another country, you've never seen any of the previous Ghostbusters mm-hmm. stuff, can it stand on its own? Is it funny on its own? Carmen. Um, <laughs> Insert awkward pause here. <laughs> this is a Bill Murray moment she's doing I, right now. I, right? Think it's, I think it's funny. Did um, you laugh? I laughed. I didn't think it was as funny as some of the other people in the theater did. And I mm-hmm. think that it's, I think that people that are a little bit younger than us might think it's even funnier. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe even people that are older than us that aren't, that don't have the attachment to the original that I do. Um, but it's, I, I, what I loved about the first Ghostbusters is that it was a lot of, really just subtle humor mm-hmm. that you might not catch the first time. And this one was a lot more overt. Yeah. I know like, you didn't like the beginning, 
But I hated the beginning. <laughs> I, I understand that, but the first two or three minutes of it gave me a lot of hope that mm-hmm. that subtle exactly. and funny little moments that the uh, main actor, uh, oh, sorry, he's from Silicon Valley. I don't know his name, mm-hmm. but he plays the accountant basically in, in this HBO series, Silicon Valley. And he plays a uh, curator tour guide tour guide. for a museum there. Mm-hmm. And he has some really funny lines. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is going to be clever. This is going to have some subtle, funny moments. And it didn't completely pay off throughout there. But I, I, okay, so the question of, was it funny? I did laugh (laughs) at times. Yeah, I agree. I didn't laugh at every single thing that I was, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, supposed to laugh at. Mm -hmm. But uh, there were moments that struck me as as funny. And I I liked it. I I was entertained. Yeah, there were definitely some laugh out loud moments for Mm -hmm. all three of us. Um, I do agree that first couple minutes, like, we were laughing. Like, and again, I was like, okay, all right, this is gonna, this is gonna be good. Uh, but Carmen, talk to us about why you think the intro did not really work. And again, yes, this is spoiler free, but this is in the first five minutes, guys. So, Carmen, <laughs> what you got? Oh gosh, it was it was over the top. It was what happens. L- like I said, it was it was like Ghost Hunters, but every with every dumb ghost movie that's mm-hmm. out right now with that kind of a twist to it. Yeah. Um, the ghost, some, some sort of Spirit. unseen entity, uh, comes through the forbidden basement door that has been locked for years and mm-hmm. years. And the, um, docent is the only person left in the museum for the night. And he, you know, throws chairs at him and stuff. And he has to run downstairs because the door is now open yeah. and he goes straight for the basement, which is. Which is where the the one place in the, the whole thing that was place. haunted, <laughs> and then the whole yeah. the whole staircase falls, and there's ooze coming out of the floor, which they never nope. address the ooze at all. Mm-hmm. The ooze is through the they whole said movie. There was something about like ectoplasmic residue, but it was like that was it, you right? Know? Which is so. a, re- a sort of a reference of the the old, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. So he appears to get possessed at the end of that first sequence, and then soon after in the movie we see him. Totally Not normal. possessed. He's yeah, fine. Completely uh, normal. He and was like, in a lot of danger. And, like, and then the no, title, no scratches, no bruises. Nope, even though the, the entire staircase collapsed, and he mm-hmm. was hanging for his life from this. You know, it just yeah. it, it, it was a it was it a weird uh, continuity choice. And I am a huge continuity person. And as soon as I saw him again, I was like, okay, maybe he is still possessed. Maybe you know all mm-hmm. this. Nope, nothing. Never mentioned again, except for like they make fun of him for that ghost encounter. But that is it. So that, that, that was an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else that, uh, yeah, I think I, I, have, I have one more thing. Okay. Yeah, go for it. I wanted to talk about the antagonist a little bit without revealing too much. Okay. Um, I was, I was surprised, but I liked it that there was a living antagonist. Okay. Because mm-hmm. they haven't really done that in the others. Yeah. So I was surprised, and I didn't mind it at all. But again, no character development. Mm-hmm. You don't know what this guy's motivation is whatsoever. Yeah, and um, I think that part of bringing in a human antagonist is that that is scarier to me than yeah. any ghost, than any metaphysical being that I can't see. And so they start out Ghostbusters 1, it's all just ghosts. There's nothing yeah. behind it. Motivate. There's no evil force, really. There's. It's just ghosts. Um, and then in part two, 
again, like we said, it's it's this evil force that is manifested as this one as, evil as ruler Vigo. who mm-hmm. is a human who yep. walked the earth, and now it is this guy who wants all the power, mm-hmm. and he's the bad guy. So they do have a human bad guy, which I think is actually more frightening than totally agree having the the you know the monster that is that yeah. you can't really see and can't touch you. There's something about there's a realism behind that mm-hmm. where if you spend any time, you know, downtown in major cities, you see people talking to themselves all the time. That is way scarier than a ghost. Because again, with the human antagonist that Carmen mentioned, you have no idea kind of what level of crazy he is. Mm-hmm. And that is terrifying. So, cause yeah, you might just think that he is some, you know, crackpot talking about stuff. And then you find out like, no, he is legitimately insane. Mm-hmm. Yes. Steve, <laughs> Steve, Steve put his hand up if like a good boy. If we're done with that thought, I have another, I have another small Go for it. complaint. And the complaint is about girl Slimer. Oh, because, yeah. okay. Near Mrs. the end of the Potato movie, head. we see Slimer mm-hmm. who as a kid, I love Slimer. Yep, that was the go-to. And in the cartoon, he was sort of a sidekick. But in the first movie, I mean, he was a malevolent, but also sort of a trickster force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's evil, but not, I mean, he's not killing anybody. No. He's just causing trouble, right? So when they introduce Slimer, boy he's Slimer, the, second, the normal he's Slimer. He's in the second movie. He is in the second movie. Yeah. I yep. forgot he drives, about that. Yep. He drives Lewis Tully on the bus to mm-hmm. save everyone at the museum. I totally forgot that. <laughs> Yeah, and he has another driving scene in this one. So now, but now in the third one, okay. So they introduce him, Mm -hmm. and they make him seem a little evil, right? He's the same character in number three as he was in number one, in my opinion. I would say malevolent, not evil, but okay. Yeah, Yeah. he's um, what's the right word? Trickster. He's Mm -hmm. uh, he's a poltergeist in a sense. No, that's Uh, not quite right. Anyway, he's he's causing a human form, so he's he's causing mischief, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So he starts to drive a car. He causes a little bit of mischief. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, there's a female Slimer, which yeah. is basically Slimer with a wig. Slimer with a like, wig and like they a do little bow. Yeah. So I mean, they should have given, if they wanted him to have a love interest, for lack of a better word, they could have gone with any other type of thing. Right. Um, well, like and, I said, he's not in human form. So why do they need to make it yeah. a female version? Yeah. Of- we never we never knew. It. Slimer is this androgynous thing. We never know yeah. if he was a boy or he's a girl. He's a blob. And then yeah. you see in this movie, like Steve is talking about, a female version of this same blob yeah. with a wig and a bow and the hair. They could have just, just left that out or completely. given him some something else or, you know. Or like a giant thing of popcorn or something like that. Because his whole mm-hmm. bit was that he always ate yep. a ton. He was eating, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that, so was, yeah. that was my one <laughs> little minor complaint there. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Okay. That's all uh, I have on Slimer. So, <laughs> so it had to be said. It, it had to be because when we get introduced to Slimer, and this yeah. is not really spoilers, everyone knows that he was going to be in there at some point. He does start off as that same type of thing that we remember. It was like, okay, mm-hmm. he's eating a lot at this food truck, and then just goes off the rails and just becomes weird and unnecessary. Um, but okay, so I went over all of my bullet points. I think so to Steve, Carmen. I think I could go on all day, but yeah, I think I'm all right. Okay, so. On this podcast, we have a rating system. There are only three choices, uh, which, again, is the best rating system uh, known to anyone. So there are three choices, good, bad, or ugly. Good ranges from, you know, it was, it was a decent movie, but not my favorite, to this movie is absolutely fantastic. 
bad is okay that kind of sucked but i do not really regret you know spending a couple hours watching this ugly avoid at all cost you leave the theater angry that you just wasted that time or you left the theater midway which i've only done actually i've never done i wanted it at once uh so good bad or ugly are your three choices I will wait. Oh, I, no. Carmen is going last. Mm-hmm. I'm, waiting for, going last. I, I'm, I'm waiting for Carmen. <laughs> okay. So Steve will be first. Good, bad, or ugly. What you got? I went into this movie not knowing a lot about it. And I went into it with, I think, reasonable expectations. I wanted to be entertained. I wanted it to feel like Ghostbusters. But I knew it could never match the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have to ask myself when I left the theater... How, yeah, you're right. How did I feel? Yep. I felt good. I laughed. Not everything worked. But uh, all in all, I think uh, they achieved what they set out to do. That's the important question for okay. me. Does it stand on its own as a piece of art? And did they achieve what they appeared to? Uh, did they Did they apparently uh, achieve what they were aiming for? <laughs> I think they did. I liked it. I say it was good. I would recommend that people see it. Mm-hmm. Um, if nothing else, then to complete the trilogy. I mean, it, I think it's but is such it a, a trilogy. Part of, it is not a trilogy. Okay, you're right. That, yeah. I take it back. I shouldn't call it a trilogy. But I think um, it's such a cultural touchstone, at least from my childhood. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine not seeing it. If everybody okay. said yep. it was terrible, bad, ugly, yep. I would still see it. But um, that makes sense. But again, coming out of it, I, I was feeling good. I think they did a good job generally, uh, despite the flaws. I give it a good. Okay. Um, so with mine, uh, I laughed, uh, I had a good time. Uh, the whole movie, I was thinking of different things, you know, I was trying to relate this to things. It was hard for me. Like I said, with the SNL people in it with, you know, my newly founded Medea scale of sassy black woman, the whole time I'm sitting there and I was like, okay, you know, so. That being said, though, I I had a good time watching this. I left the theater in a good mood. Um, As far as we could tell, we stayed in the theater for a few minutes after the credits. There's not really a post-credit scene, but there are scenes in the credits where, you know, there's some fun stuff that happens. But I still left in a good mood, and it was funny. So for that, I will give Ghostbusters 2016 a good. And... Now we're going to go to Carmen, who is staring at me intently. So give us your thoughts first over the movie as you okay. know, movie so experience. So as I said before, I kind of felt like it was two different movies mm-hmm. mashed into one, or two different parts of movies that didn't... I, there could have been a better flow. Um, okay. So I would love to call the first part of the movie more like mediocre. Mm-hmm. Nope, sorry. Good, bad, or ugly. <laughs> nope. No, I. It was good. It was good. Okay. Um, I'm very, and I'm real. Was reluctant to say that. I went in with a complete as a newborn baby as well, not mm-hmm. knowing anything about it, um, and trying not trying not to compare it to the yeah, the which first. is hard to do. It was really hard to do, and I kept. I it was hard to let go of, um, but yeah, no, I had a good time. I was entertained. Um, I would say it's not something you have to run out to the theaters to see. It's, Fair enough. It's something that it would be just as enjoyable as a rental. 
Okay. Um, but yeah, I thought it was good. Let's say you have a 15-year-old niece or nephew, Mm -hmm. and they don't know anything about Ghostbusters, period. How would you recommend that they (laughs) – how would you recommend that they experience what Ghostbusters is? Ooh, good one. Do you want them to go see this first – this new one first? Would you like them to go back to the original? And can you take it if they say, nah, the original's not that great? Oh, I can take it. They would be disowned, but how would you, how would you suggest they get into Ghostbusters? I would be okay with a 15 year old seeing the new one first. I would be okay with that. It definitely, if I was 15, I feel like it would probably catch my attention more. It's more modern and current and. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it was not something that you feel they would need to, I say quote, say quotes, make quotes. They would need to see the first two to to get this one. No, not Excellent. at all. Yeah, not at all. I mean, I hope that everyone sees the first Ghostbusters because mm-hmm. I think Absolutely. it's it's my favorite movie. I think it's the, one of the best, one of the greatest movies ever made. But fantastic! Um, all right, so yeah. so there you have it. So question. Oh, here we Should go. Should there be a sequel? Okay, because they set okay, it up a so, little bit, and they always you know do this in movies be. these days. Do you think they should do a sequel? And what would you, I what notes care. would you give to the new <laughs> Ghostbusters twenty nineteen? What do you, what do you think they should do differently in, in the next one? Jeez, uh, but better character development, better mm-hmm. side characters for sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, agree. And talk more about the science of it. I, I that was something that was really missing for me in this one. Is um, it doesn't? I mean, I'm not a scientist. I'm not gonna. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna understand it, or you know, it's gonna go over my head anyway. But just they, that was something that they way breezed over a little bit too much for me in this one. Fair enough. I so, would say really develop a strong script. Get some of those clever, funny moments that I saw in the first five minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Spread yeah. them out. Spread them out, and give your comedic actors time to be alone and be funny on their mm-hmm. own. Uh, and you can also develop them uh, at the same time, mm-hmm. but trust them and let them do their thing. That that would be my suggestion for Ghostbusters. Yeah. Here, here. At, what is it? Twenty four. <laughs> what would they call it, the next it, one? It will be Ghostbusters two. No, they're going to call it Ghostbusters Returns or something like that. Uh, Maybe it'll be the gritty. They should have spelled it with a Z or something. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Right. Mm. Uh, I mean, so so to Steve's question, should they make another one? It is not a matter to me of should they. They will. They will. Exactly. This movie, and to its credit, this movie is going to make a bunch of money. Yeah. I, I truly believe that it is enough of a standalone summer comedy, action comedy. It will make its money. And like I said, you can take, this is bubblegum. You can take a five-year-old to this yeah. movie. You can take your dad. You can take your grandparent. Like, And like I said, it's... It's like a video game. The last half of the movie is like a video game, especially yeah. when they break out all the toys. Mm-hmm. The video game, the toys, yep. it's, they're definitely going to make now, a sequel. to that point, real quick, and I would just touch on this. So growing up, because all of us are the same generation, there's Ghostbusters everything. Mm-hmm. Hasbro pumped out toys. I really, really hope, I, if they make a full line of Ghostbusters, <laughs> you know, action figures of these new Ghostbusters, I will buy it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, because I think it is important for not only Hasbro or whoever, you know, toy company, not only is it important for them to make it, it is important for people to buy it because it just, it shows like this is Ghostbusters. Like this is it. Like, all right, kids, you might not know what, what happened in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Just run with this. 
they kind of give it the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles treatment, where yeah. each, each Ghostbuster got their own unique weapon. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would buy it, and I, and I think that would Which be... Which weapon do you want? That is to, I, I like would the want, punch thing. The punch thing was pretty yeah. sweet, and I think that was in one of the, the trailers. Uh, the punch thing was cool. At the end, uh, Kate McKinnon has a, has a cool thing on her back that she pops out. That's the one I would want. Yeah. yeah. Like, that the was really cool. The retractable double pistols. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I hope they make toys mm-hmm. because I think that would, I say, normalize it in the sense of then it will not just be, this is the female Ghostbusters. Like, mm-hmm. nope, this is Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So excellent. So all three of us gave it a good for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, th- I mean, that is that is a solid recommendation. Mm-hmm. I think when you have all three goods, especially when someone on this podcast, hint, hint, Carmen, uh, <laughs> was her, you know, the original was her favorite movie. So for this episode, uh, Steve has joined me. Steve, where can people find you on the internine? Internine? Internet? <laughs> wow. I was going to say interwebs, uh-huh. but no. Internine. That inter-nine. is a new thing. It is like the internet, but times nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You would not know about it. Where can they find you on the internine? Twitter, at uh-huh. Steve Blog. Okay. On Instagram, at Stand Inside. And again, like I said last time Steve was on, Steve travels literally all over the world. North, south, east, west. So he takes phenomenal pictures. Go check him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, he makes me incredibly jealous every time he comes back into town. He's like, Ugh, I have to go to Galapagos to the Arctic Circle. I'm like, really? <laughs> really? Yep. And you can see my video on standinsidemedia.com. Absolutely. So definitely check those out. Uh, and I have also been joined by the wonderful Carmen, who, again, has, I mean, this is Ghostbusters. This was a touchy subject because it is so close to you. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate your willingness to go on this adventure with us and try and come into it with an open mind. Will so, you have me back again for the second Ghostbusters? Absolutely. Okay. I like that because that would be in probably 2019, like Steve said. So if this podcast is still going in three <laughs> years, no problem. You will be on here. Let's all wear our costumes and bring our toys. There you, okay, here I am putting it on wax right now. When they make a second one, mm-hmm. and you will be on it, I will have the toys on display. Okay. So, yeah, you heard it here first, folks. Love it. First of all, Hasbro, make the toys so I can buy them. Uh, and yeah, so I've been your host, that guy named John. You can find the podcast at About to Review at Facebook, Twitter, or at About to Review on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're on iTunes. I would absolutely love it if you guys were to go on iTunes, subscribe, leave a five-star review. If you leave a five-star review, I will read it on the air. Carmen, no pressure, but go on iTunes and leave a five-star review, and I will read it on the next episode. So there you have it. That was our Ghostbusters expose. So thank you again, Steve. Thanks, John. Thank you, Carmen. Thanks very much. And we will see you guys next time.